Every business has to evolve as a natural reaction to change. But what about when change hits you like a freight train? Or a pandemic. Right. Join us today as we talk about lessons we've learned through a new way of working, what's on the other side, and how to peer into your business evolution crystal ball. The Speakeasy Podcast, real talk about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. This lovely East India gimlet. It's a beauty. Oh my goodness. So you guys are going to have to check this one out. It's London Dry Gin, which sounds so fancy, doesn't it? Yes. Plus there's dill, a lime wedge, some roses, lime cordial, and celery bitters. This is a fancy drink, folks. It is. It's kind of a big dill. <laughs> it's kind of a big dill. Yeah, I did it. Uh, you did. Well, we both really enjoy our herbs, so getting something unusual into a drink like dill is a lot of fun. It is. And it's funny because fresh dill is an altogether different taste than dry dill. It's just like a freshness. Yeah. Unlike a stale Vlasic pickle. Yeah. There's nothing flaccid about this taste. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So business evolution, it's been quite a couple of months in business land, hasn't it? It has. And, you know, there's absolutely no doubt that at the beginning, it felt like complete breakdown and crisis. And there are glimmers of that still. But it's really, I think about once you get your feet underneath you, um, it's really about your point of view and your attitude And like how you're going to operate inside of the reality. You know, I I kept telling myself, you can only control what you can control, right? Right. So is it breakdown or is it, well, innovation? Yeah, it's a great question. I've I've always believed you can't stand still in business. You, if you're standing still, you're dying. Things are moving past you. So that, that to me has always been a absolute norm. But with the changes that we've encountered in the past few months, the ability to be agile and to change and evolve is so, so important. Well, not just that, but what's on the other side of all of this is something completely new that we don't know, right? Which is why we said crystal ball. So business is going to be an altogether different ecosystem than what we had prior. Certainly, hopefully, (laughs) different than what we have right now, right? So at the end of any sort of crisis or recession or even depression, the ecosystem on the other side is totally different. And so it's about how do you evolve to thrive in the new ecosystem so that you can grow so that the ecosystem accepts you and allows you to put down your roots again. Evolution is the only way to do that. For sure. I feel like you have a couple of choices. You can either approach this with a mentality of, wow, when things get back to normal, or wow, I can really change my normal. And and that that's kind of exciting, actually. It is. Um, I, I kept feeling like, I wanted to kind of dig my heels in and resist change, you know, business loss or projects having to get tossed six months down the road felt really threatening. And so I wanted to just kind of pump the brakes and dig my heels in and kind of pull against it. But what I realized is that you can't, you're not stronger than the forces that are at at work here. And so, um, the, the image that I kept thinking of was surfing. It's like you don't swim against the tide. You get on top of the wave and you ride it, right? So I feel like fighting against change is a losing battle. Yeah. And we've learned so many different ways of doing business and communicating and processes and speed and expectations. And 
there are a few of these I won't be willing to give up when we quote unquote go back to normal, when we all go back to our desk, right? And so if you- Well, what, give me an example. Oh, for example, turns out virtual meetings are kind of nice. It, it saves the parking, it saves the gas, It everyone's used to it now, it's gotten past the awkward stage. Why would we go back to as many physical meetings as we'd had before? So I think we have to assume, too, that there's going to be an ongoing period where we're reintegrating, that we are um, unsure of when, how we define our large groups, you know, is going to be safe. So we will continue to um, work at a distance or meet at a distance um, to ensure people's well-being. Yeah. And I think that's okay. And that's just an easy example when the underst- people understand about the new normal and how business can sort of change. We've thought a lot about our business and our clients, what clients are lasting through the recession and what ones are really struggling and what that means about who we need to be serving moving forward. Yeah, I think your business mix, you know, I always go back to looking at industries or verticals and looking at whether you've got 15 or 20% of your eggs in any particular basket, right? I've always felt that way. I felt very strongly about that. Um, because we do a lot of um, advocacy work, money does end up getting spent in crisis communications. And so um, when things don't go well, we do tend to, um, we don't get flooded necessarily, but we'll get a bump. Um, so when we're feeling like we've lost somewhere, we've won somewhere else. And so really looking at that business mix, I, you know, or had you asked us to have a conversation about recession-proof clients two months ago, we would have had a different conversation because I felt like nobody's recession-proof today. <laughs> so, um, but I think there are certain organizations that um, can weather those storms a little bit differently. Oh, for sure. And the conversation we had around the table, oh, I guess the virtual table, was how we can serve clients right now is different than how we served them three months ago because their needs are different. Their capacities aren't necessarily aligning with today's needs. So we have to be really agile and we really have to think about how we can take our strengths to help a client grow or patch over a gap that they didn't anticipate they had. And And even in going through that process with our clients in the past few months makes me rethink how we anticipate that and grow for it and prepare for it for the next time. So what do you think your next big step is? It's funny that you ask because we had some really big plans on the 2020 horizon. And so Mm -hmm. I had a couple of weeks of a combination of... um, fear and depression and straight up petulance that things weren't going to go my way. And I gave myself some time to get over those. And then I went to my planning notebook and I changed dates on a few things that were in my goal sheet, right? Like, well, that's not going to happen in April. So while I'm not really clear to be able to talk about what the next big step is, what I can talk about is how how you take a big step that you were planning and figure out how you can still get it done even though you have a new set of parameters. Does that make sense? Absolutely. We've actually shifted quite a bit. You know, 
our, our business is slightly different than yours. Um, our models are similar, but our, but our execution is slightly different in that a, um, a certain percentage of my business requires face-to-face contact for filming. And so we have kicked a lot of projects down the road, but we've really focused on coaching our clients who do need to communicate immediately. And we've created this one sheet that coaches them. I've done some consults via FaceTime and Zoom. We've been able to figure out how to coach them and kind of be in the room with them digitally and direct virtually, and then a lot, and then set up platforms for them to then send us files. And while it would be very advantageous for them to have things like real microphones and, and lights, I think we're all very used to how Zoom looks. If Jimmy Fallon can do his show from his home and we're used to our PBS evening news looking like Zoom, then I think people are going to forgive us for a minute to have our acquisition look like it reflects the time that we're in. But we have really supported our clients in giving them coaching virtually and being kind of in the room virtually with them while they're acquiring footage that they'll send us um, while they're, you know, to edit. And so, you know, so that's our intermediate step. But I think our next big step is really figuring out how to get back together and do what I would consider proper production and things that are more personal and intimate, the things that really, um, when, when we're not communicating so urgently, when we need to get back to um, kind of communicating in a, in a more authentic and paced out way. That's so interesting to hear, and it brings up somewhat of a sidebar. Do you think that we will have more intimate and honest communications moving forward? After we've given the grace, I was on a um, Zoom call yesterday, we were presenting to a client and somebody's kids started playing the piano and someone else was holding their baby and someone else's dog made a ruckus. And we, we all forgive these things today. Who cares? We, we're all in the same boat. And I wonder when we get back to doing things quote unquote properly, if we're going to have a lot more grace for realness. And, you know, we always talk about authenticity, but I'm talking real authenticity where maybe you're not wearing mascara and your kid is pulling your hair. Yeah, I um, I hope so. I've kind of, when I say authenticity, I've always been right there. I'm not afraid to show the underbelly of who I am. Um, I certainly haven't worn makeup in a month or more. My daughter has shown up on my lap in more Zooms than not. And people are okay with that. I do hope that we're able to extend grace as we've had this experience that while nuanced and different for each household has been significant for all households. Yeah, me too. I really hope that that's one of the pieces of evolution we get to keep, that sort of forgiveness and acknowledgement of what is real and what is practical. And, you know, the fact that people are really good at juggling I'm not going to say multitasking because we all know multitasking is a lie, um, but but we're excellent at juggling and shifting priorities very quickly to get all the things done when all the things are hitting us at once. And the difference now for many businesses and many workers is that we used to be able to compartmentalize. I will go to work, I will do work things, I will come home and do home things with only tiny interruptions perhaps. But all that's mashed up and put in a blender right now, and it's so interesting to watch. Yeah, and I think that's part of business evolution, too, that instead of it being, you know, day versus evening, it's 
like a multi-layered cake. <laughs> and, you know, it, you, I used to long for like, oh, if I just worked from home one day a week, I could get some laundry and dishes done and I could order my groceries. And man, would I long for something that simple. But um, now it's more like I have to schedule, I, I schedule conference calls around my husband's conference calls. And I know that by four o'clock, I have to be done with work because my children are just, um, they just really need it. They just need me and they're ready for, uh, to come back and circle back. And so there have been some very beautiful things that have come out of this, um, for our family amidst the, the upset and concern. But yes, I think extending grace to people and like our neighborhood friends have become so, so supportive. And once a week, my kids are coming up with projects to, to gift neighbors with. So we painted rocks, you know, recently and dropped them off at with inspirational messages on them and dropped them onto porches. And we've done, um, we, we've searched, we've sent a message out and said, we have all this extra mint growing in our, you know, indoor plant thing. Who needs mint? And we've dropped mint off and, you know, like, I don't know, we're doing a lot of porch projects. <laughs> They're pretty nice though. Yeah. So I think we're evolving and far beyond business. And I think the personal evolution that we're all going through will only help us professionally as we move forward. I think that's true. You know, I'm seeing it very differently as I have teenagers where you have younger kids, so they're a little more self-directed. But it's still interesting to see that. What I find fascinating, both in my team and in watching other teams, is watching how great Gen Z is at managing this, right? So I've got um, a college kid who's now doing all online classes and it just didn't bother him at all. And my younger staff members really moved into this mode so smoothly. And it's, it's, I think, a good indication of what evolution should look like and how businesses can take advantage of a new way of thinking and a more digitally native way of thinking than we we have ever had before. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not going to lie. I miss game time with my staff. I miss our lunch banter. We haven't yet had a Zoom lunch banter. But um, yeah, I miss them as humans, but we're being really productive. Right. And that's interesting too. I've found, and I think I think you and I might have talked about this, I have found that the days feel really long. The productivity feels really high when I'm on whew, getting stuff done, which I didn't anticipate. So something about how I'm experiencing time and productivity has changed a lot. And I don't know if it's for the better. And I'm not saying that every hour is super highly productive, but it's the flow of time is so much different for me and I'm trying to still understand what that means for our business and what that means long-term and if that's just me or if that's everybody. Yeah. I think in general, most of the people that I've talked to have felt, unless they have the, the very smallest children, meaning you have to be watching them so that they don't hurt themselves, um, which neither one of us are really in that boat. Um, I think everybody's feeling, um, pretty productive when they're on, when they're able to be on. And even when I'm not on professionally, I'm still being pretty productive personally. I'm, you know, I'm doing dishes while I'm coaching school or I'm changing out laundry while I'm cleaning up a mess. So that's still productive. It's just, 
not always where I choose to be focused, but it's still productive. Interesting. So what are you most excited to take back with you once we're well beyond this current situation? I've always felt very proud and confident about my um, team's culture. And I always felt like it was so much of it had to do with in person, like the kind of just that chemistry of being together and the way that we would riff off each other. And um, while I still believe that has incredible value, I really think that um, what I'm seeing is that even at a distance, the ambition of my team and their entrepreneurial mindset and their forward thinking and drive, I've just been really blown away by it. And I think it says so much about who they are as people that that just really <laughs> makes me excited to to view that through a new lens when we're able to be face-to-face again. I think I'll experience it very differently when we are face-to-face. I agree with you. I think, I'll, I think the experience of face-to-face will be different and probably better based on what's happened in the first quarter plus of 2020. What I find is super technical and nerdy, but like all these strange ways of communicating, whether you're doing a call via Slack or Zoom or whatever you're using, have timestamps on them, right? So what I'm finding in a way is quantifying how long a conversation takes in a way I didn't before. And finding how those little crazy in-person interruptions haven't happened. So part of that helps me figure out how to serve our clients more efficiently. But part of it also tells me how efficient my team is if I just get out of their way, right? I can't just zoom by their office and have a quick chat. I can't just peek or say, hey, real quick, can we? Those things have to be much more intentional. And I think that might be leaving more time for them to be thoughtful and excellent so that lets me back up and get out of their way. I'll be curious to see if I can continue pulling that off when we're all face-to-face. So that's all me. That's my problem. That also might be part of the Gen Z versus Gen X. It might be. Mindset, too. That's been that's been fun. I think the one thing I would take away, based on the conversations you and I have had, there's a lot of really scary stuff. And I remember at the beginning of the process, we were both really afraid for our businesses. And I I think anybody who's a business leader was in that same boat. And I think enough time has passed that while we might still be afraid and, and really cautious or really strategic about our steps, I'm seeing hope and determination float higher than the fear. I think that it's really easy to focus on fear and reaction, right? Fear drives, the the feeling of fear drives so many other actions, reactions, thoughts, that really if you're able to contain it a little bit and start planning, um, which is a very challenging thing, or to at least just walk through and write down all the very scary stuff and just be with it, I think that if you're able to somehow maintain that creative mindset, stay solutions-oriented, then your clarity, and I think that's what the fear was. I didn't lack, I, did, I lacked clarity around what 
what role I could play in the process, what control I did have, because there's so much control I didn't have at the beginning. And so I think it's, if you're able to maintain a creative mindset, then you're able to start solving. Yeah. So well said. Because from fear, there's no, um, there's no way that your brain can come from solution or creativity or innovation. Yeah, it's funny because the the fear exacerbates. Because if you're a creative person and you you do understand that no creativity really comes from fear, I mean, unless you're MacGyver, maybe. Yeah, no. Or being chased by a tiger, you could probably get creative. Yeah, because you have bubble gum and like a paperclip. Right, or you decide you can jump to a higher tree than you ever thought you could get to. Um, but we know that fear inhibits creativity, right? It's not a good ecosystem which then creates more fear that you'll never be able to be creative or that your ecosystem is broken. So that can be self-compounding. And being able to get out of it, I think, is a big strength. And it's something that leaders have to do, and it's their job, right? It's our job to get out of that and figure it out and make it good for our folks. But once you get out of it, you can really adapt and you can evolve and you can figure out what's going to work and how to do things differently and better. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a person who focuses a lot on gratitude, but I think in this time I've focused more on gratitude in my personal life, but how I've looked at it differently um, professionally is just taking stock of what I do have. Cause it's easy from a fear standpoint to say, Oh, I've lost, I've lost X amount of business or the, you know, those, the, this amount of sales will never generate into this much revenue and look at what that means for cash flow um, or my, <laughs> you know, a PNL. So, um, but I think if you look at, take stock of the assets you do have, whether those are human assets or pipeline assets or, um, even cash assets and really think about what you do have as opposed to focusing from a fear standpoint on what you have lost, that that can be incredibly comforting. But I think too, <laughs> remind yourself every now and then that if you built it, you can rebuild it. You can build something new you can tweak it, you can adjust, you can evolve. And that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, because the equity you've built and the trust you've built in your ability to get the job done, none of that goes away. And those are the things that our clients trust, right? They know that you're responsive or helpful or that you care about them. And even though things could look differently in a month or in a year, they still know those things because they're true. But I will say, you're... You're like, this is what I do have. I can build something out of it. Just reminds me of week four and you haven't been to the grocery store and you have to get creative for dinner. So maybe we just learned through not being able to shop how to stretch and be creative. Yeah. Like what's my render pantry look like? I can make something out of beans and rice and mac and cheese. What's that can? What's that can up there in the corner? Oh, I can use that. There's a can with dust on it, but I'm sure it's not expired. It's probably fine. Make use of that. You know, and it's it's funny because we've talked about this before, how cre constraints sometimes foster creativity. Yep. And oftentimes with our clients, you know, narrowing the possible universe helps you be very creative in that box. And this has been an experience and an exercise in narrowing the universe and the possibilities and forcing you to use fewer tools, new tools and figure out how to get it done. It's cool. And that's what we're doing. And I have a team that's constantly looking at 
um, improved workflow remote? Um, how do, you know, cause we are leaning on our machines that are back at our office, um, and remoting in and using our, you know, using our vast resources of, um, terabytes <laughs> to support us, but they're looking at ways to overcome things like what is our personal internet <laughs> speed look like and stuff like that. So we're kind con- like every week we're improving and every week we're, um, tweaking and we talk about that every week and um yeah we're still delivering for our clients and they and they've been they've extended grace they know that we are um not working as quickly you know maybe two-thirds as fast as maybe we once did but they get it and we're there but they're still able to say hey can you get this to me tomorrow and we're still able to say yes which is kind of amazing it's kind of cool it's good news i like good news you know what else I like is unusual things from the pantry in a drink. A skimlet? Yeah. I mean, there are not many drinks where you get a little dill in there. It's got a nice, strong lime taste. We like it. It's icy. It's nice. The Rose's Lime Cordial is always a good addition to a drink because it's the it's the perfect combination of simple syrup and citrus. Yeah, it very much is. So we're ending on a hopeful note. That's what I will say. We're doing okay. I hope everybody else is doing okay. Absolutely. Me too. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please share it with a friend. So what are we talking about next time? Next time? Well, do you think relationships have life cycles? Absolutely. Sometimes you have to walk away from a client. That's true. And sometimes clients decide they've gotten their best from you and they move on. Yep. Next time is our tribute to Kenny Rogers. Know when to hold him and know when to fold him. Join us as we talk about when clients break up with you. Cheers. Take care.